Welcome, Crosswalk, and welcome to a new series we like to call The New Normal. My name's Pastor Timothy Gillespie, and um, I'm going to be your pastor through all of this. It's always exciting to start a new series. We spent quite a bit of time on the book of James studying about design theory, design thinking, and how that affects your faith life and how you can build a life of faith the way you want it to look and the way you believe God wants it to look. And now we're taking a look at the new normal. This phrase is on everyone's mind right now. What is our new normal going to be? How are things going to be different? What is it going to look like? Are we going to get back to the way things were? But I'd like to posit something. As followers of Christ, we have been living in a new normal for about, I don't know, 2,000 years or so. Honestly, even though we are obviously not that old, the life that we live, the new normal life that we live is a life that is completely different than the way most people live their lives who are not followers of Christ. But let's ask the question first, what has been the normal for our lives. I mean, I'll just take myself for an example. I grew up in the 70s. I remember a little bit of the oil crisis of my parents trying to figure out which day they were supposed to get oil or get gas. I remember in the 80s, uh, probably that defined, was defined by Walkmans and by really big shoulder pads. And then in the 90s, probably pagers and beepers even maybe the introduction of cell phones as I was getting a little bit older towards the end of the 90s. The 2000s started pretty roughly with 9-11, which we just remembered last week. But the recession was tough in the 2000s, 10s. But here we are. But I want to think about something. What if you were born in 1910? My grandmother was born in 1910 in North Dakota. When you were seven years old, the United States entered World War I. When you were eight years old, the global Spanish flu pandemic began. It lasted for two years. When you were 19 years old, the United States began the Great Depression, which would last another 13 years. And when you were 31 years old, the United States entered World War II. And you can tell as it continues to go on through the racial unrest of the 1960s, through all the different eras, there was a lot going on. And I wonder if they ask the same question. What is the new normal we're supposed to be living into? So we ask the question, how are things going to be different when we get back, as we always seem to say? I mean, it'll be mass, right? Uh, we, we know that there's a deep divide going on in the country right now. And, and we hope that there's going to be some bipartisanship that happens, but who knows? But thank goodness the followers of Christ have been living a different kind of normal, a new normal for 2,000 years. And these changes today don't really change our perspective on how we live our lives. No matter what's going on in the world, our perspective is 2,000 years old and we call it the new normal. So what are the basics of the new normal that we understand? I mean, if we have been living in it for a long time, there's probably some of these things that you've internalized and that you already understand, but let me delineate them for you. Number one, we understand that this world is not our home. And I know I can't say that without you wanting to sing that song, right? This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. But if our world, if our home is not actually here, then this moment in time reminds us of the temporality versus his eternal nature. So how do we go about living? It's interesting because Hebrews 13, 14 says this, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. You see, because we are the people of the now and the not yet. 
We live in two worlds, and we shouldn't let the now overtake the other in our minds and in our hearts. The not yet is living and, and happily growing as well as we build the kingdom of God. So we are people of the now, of course, and we're experiencing what's going on, but we are also people of the not yet who look for our help above the mountains, right? Where do our eyes go to? They go to the skies where Jesus is going to come from. So this world is not our home. Number two, we are stewards, not landowners. And I began to, to search for how many times Jesus talks about kind of a master and servant, landowner and steward relationship. And I got to tell you, it's a ton. I'm not even sure of the number. I stopped counting after a while. Matthew 25, 23 says this, the master said, well done, my good and my faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling a small amount, so now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Now, this is a thing. The New Testament, the New Testament authors seem to know the difference, right? They seem to know the difference because they had no pride in ownership, but they had deep pride in the owner. We are stewards. We are not landowners on this earth. Again, this should remind us of the temporality of the time that we spend here. The third thing that is a basic tenet of the new normal is this, Jesus is the Messiah. No other entity or figure has that position or place in our hearts. Because of this, we have to look at what's happening in the world today through different lenses than those who don't claim Christ who are, or who are looking for some sort of savior that comes from politics, that comes from ideology. None of that will save us, only Jesus will. You see, the savior we are waiting for diligently is not a political savior. It's not a party or an ideology. He is something wholly different. As Christians, our conversation should not be the same that everyone else is having because as it says in Philippians 3.20, we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we eagerly await him. And we eagerly wait for him to return as our savior. That means we're looking for a different kind of savior, not political, not economic, but spiritual and tangible. We live in the whips and the wisps and the wafts of his presence, guided by the Holy Spirit. Which leads us to the fourth tenet, which is simply this. We don't expect much from this world. We simply don't. It's easy for us to not expect very much from this world. And I've talked about this before, but every year I like to go back to the happiness scale because there is a happiness scale that ranks every single one of our countries in the world by its level of happiness it can give to its citizens. And for the third year in a row, Finland won. Now, I want to be clear. Finland won in March. I don't know if we did it today, if anybody would be feeling that happy, but you never know. But Finland in March won, third year in a row. And of course, the reason why Finland won and the reason why often Scandinavian countries win is because their populace, their citizenship has a tendency to think nothing's gonna work out. And when it does, they're pleasantly surprised. America this year in March was number 18 because we have a tendency to think everything's gonna be great and are deeply disappointed when it's not. But John 15, 18 reminds us of why we don't expect much from this world. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. We should not be surprised when we don't jibe with everything that is happening because our perspective is different. It's that of Christ. He finishes off in 15 verse 19 saying the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of this world. I chose you to come out of this world so it hates you. 
You know, the problem is we have a tendency to equate things going well or things going our way with blessing. And, and we need to be careful about not interpreting success as simple blessing from God. You see, whether it is personal success or ideological success, God did not promise prosperity. He did not, plan, he did not promise that you would win. Rather, what he promised is that life was going to be hard. He promised that life was going to be difficult. He promised that if you loved him, the world would hate you. This is the new normal that we've been living in. If you don't look anything different from the world and it loves you terribly much, perhaps we're doing this wrong. We're not living into the new normal. But let's ask the question, how did, how did the new normal start? Let's go back to the beginning. So what we're going to do is we're going to start in Matthew chapter 1, but we're going to start in verse 17. And let me tell you why we're going to start in verse 17. We're starting in verse 17 because the genealogy that comes before it is something that everyone likes to skip over. All right, listen, when you read your Bible, when you get to the begats in the Old Testament, you just ride through those things like you're going crazy. We move quickly. And we do the same thing in the book of Matthew when we came to those genealogies. Now remember, those genealogies were there for, to show purpose, not to show exact chronological order. In fact, there are people missing. There are people that he put in. But it's, it's set up like this. There's three different generations of 14 generations, three different columns, if you will, of 14 generations. Why? Because we're dealing with perfect numbers, right? Seven times two, seven being the perfect number, is the number 14. And there's three of those, which again is another one of those perfect numbers. We think about the Trinity when we think about three. Not only that, 14 is the numerical representation for the name of David. And we know that Jesus came from David's line. So there's a lot going on in those genealogies. Not always chronologically 100% correct. However, it is purposeful. So we understand that Jesus came at just the right time. In fact, he says it this way in Matthew 1:17, and this is where we're starting our text. All those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. Now here's what's a little crazy. That last one only has 13, but we assume we're going to add in Mary and Joseph. You see, the reason for this genealogy is to show us that just Jesus came at the right time designed by God. His providence is what brought Jesus at the right time. He came when they needed him most. Jesus showed up. When the politics and religion had become synonymous with one another and there was, there was, there was a problem with that. When it felt like things were falling apart, Jesus shows up. That's what the genealogy is showing us. But now we're going to jump into a story that's super well known. We move into the story of stories of Joseph and Mary and what they had to deal with when it came to the new normal. Now, normally we deal with these texts. We have a tendency to deal with these kinds of stories around Christmas. But I know, folks, it's only September. And we're going to jump into these stories, and it's important because Mary and Joseph had to deal with the new normal that God gave them. And it wasn't easy, and it wasn't simple, and it wasn't even something that they necessarily asked for. So it begins in Matthew 1.18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that is a new normal that hits fast and changes everything. She had a life trajectory that was going in one direction, and all of a sudden she's asked to go in a completely different direction. Difficult. Painful. A loss of what seems like everything you had planned. 
But Jesus, God, God is still working through the midst of it. In Matthew 1.19, Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man. And he didn't want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. And of course this is important, that Joseph was a good man. So he didn't want to disrupt the way that things work. And he didn't make the decision quickly or take it lightly. But before we jump into the next text, I want to ask this question. What do Mary and Joseph teach us about the new normal? You see, he, like Mary, is living in a completely different world, and it happened fast. So that's the first thing that we learn about the new normal. It's simply that it can happen really fast. In one conversation, everything changed. It wasn't planned. It wasn't hoped for. It just became something they needed to lean into if they were going to be obedient to God. That's the second tenet of the new normal here. The new normal wasn't something that they asked for. It happened fast, but they didn't ask for it. They couldn't have imagined what it would be like. And by the way, neither can we, right? When, when we accept Jesus, when the baby gives birth in our hearts and in our minds, our lives change. It's like if you've had a kid, you know what it's like to leave the hospital with that first child. It is really overwhelming. You walk out, you're looking at them like, can we really take this child? Is that okay? And they look at you like, it's yours. Good job. You'll do fine. And you're like, we will not do fine. We don't know how to feed this thing. We don't even know how to put that. The only thing they check is that baby seat. They don't even check if you know how to put the baby in it. They just want to make sure the seat is okay. Number three, in the new normal, we have to choose to be faithful. You see, they both had to choose whether or not to follow what God was calling them into. The ask God made of them was unreasonable. It was completely unreasonable. Is he asking you for unreasonable things in this time of trouble? Is he asking you for unreasonable attitudes of love and care and mercy and grace in the midst of a time where it seems like everybody's becoming so vitriolic that people even talk about a civil war? Friends, let's not, shall we? And the way that we don't go into a civil war, friends, it's pretty simple. We go, nah, we're not doing that. What we'd really like to do, quite honestly, is we would like to handle our differences differently than we have before still making progress in today's world. We have to choose to be faithful in the new normal, no matter what it is that God gives us. So Joseph is considering this, and it says it in Matthew 1, verse 20. He says, as he considered this, as he was ruminating over this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So maybe sometimes when we want to make a decision quickly, we need to wait to see if God's going to tell us something. An angel appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, he says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Man, in the new normal, sometimes we need clarification of what we're supposed to do. So what we have to do is take time to pray for clarification on what God is asking of you in this new normal. If everything is changing, shouldn't we be changing as well? Probably. Could our call to be something different than we were before? More grace, more openness, more love, more mercy? The angel continues to talk to Joseph and says, she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. This is a big change again, right? Joseph doesn't get to name his own son because that name was already chosen for him. 
When it comes to our faith, when we are really going to be faithful, we begin to realize that some things are out of our hands, but we still have to have faith that God is in control. Submission to God's ask is part of what we do and who we are. Ask God to search your heart and leave you the breadcrumbs so that you will know which way is right to follow God. Then Matthew 22 kind of throws it together, and Matthew 1, sorry, verse 22 says, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Because Matthew, like I'm trying to do today, wants to remind us that the new normal is something that's been going on for a long time. They've been looking for a savior for a long time, and then Jesus shows up. Yes, the new normal showed up at the time, but they had been living in the expectation of the new normal. For us, the new normal happened 2,000 years ago, and we're living in the after effects of the new normal, as we still look for the next new normal, which is Jesus coming. So then he quotes from Isaiah 7, 14, and he says, look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. By the way, nobody called Jesus Emmanuel, but he was the personification of Emmanuel, of God with us. And do you know that Max, Matthew actually ends his book with the idea of Emmanuel? Yeah, you've heard it. We call it the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. That's how he ends it. And lo, I am with you always, even until the ends of the earth. He takes it in that very same vein. Can you believe that? Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's how he says it. Jumping back to Matthew 1, 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. So when Joseph had all the direction, even though it wasn't all the information, he was able to move forward into the will of God. When we get the direction, even if we don't have all the information, we are able to move forward in the will of God in this new normal. Obedience is paramount in the new normal. Because both Mary and Joseph had to choose to follow what God was giving them. And it wasn't simple, it wasn't easy, it wasn't reasonable, but they decided to do it anyway. Much to their own personal loss, much to their own personal probably embarrassment, they still decided that they would follow what God was calling them to. You see, we think we're living in a new normal. But for us, for followers of Christ, We've been living in it for 2,000 years. So do not despair. Because God is just as much with us through the Holy Spirit as he was 2,000 years ago. Our circumstances are changing, but not God's will, not his purpose, and not his desire. We might not know what we're following God into. This may be a time where we are concerned and we are worried and we're not sure what's going to happen. But when all the world appears to be crashing down, we have to believe that God is still there, that God is still guiding, and that our job is to be obedient to him so that we might continue on in the new normal that was set aside for us 2,000 years ago. Friends, the new normal is not about masks. It's not about social distancing. 
The new normal is about us continuing trying to live a life that shows the grace of God to the world, that shows compassion and love and mercy and justice to the world. That's what it always has been. That's what it always will be. And and that may seem hard. It may seem hard, especially when we see all the world as either on our side or on another side. You have got to get over the false binary that the world is trying to teach us right now. We have to. We have to live differently than that. We have to live better than that because we are Christians. We are followers of Christ. And one of the most precious things that God has given every single one of us, and you've heard me say this again and again and again, man, James hit it again and again and again. Your witness, your speech, your language, the way we move through the new normal, that is paramount to people understanding who Jesus is. And man, every call that we've been given in the Old Testament and every call that we've been given in the New Testament is to show the world who Jesus is, is to grow his kingdom by the love and grace and mercy that God has given us. We've seen it exemplified on the cross. We've seen the power of that love as he came out of the grave. And we know that he is still living for us, advocating for us as he ascended to heaven and is in heaven now waiting to return. Last week in Chattanooga, man, it was an incredible blessing. If you guys are watching, what an incredible blessing to be together in a room. All the safety precautions taken care of, but to be able to worship together. Man, it was, it was incredible. But as we were worshiping together, I, I remember standing up in that first service and, and coming to tears. I mean, just holding back from weeping because it had been so long since we've been the people of God together. I want us to remember we are coming back together. And the way we conduct ourselves through this time has a great deal to do with how the church survives and how the church even grows. And so it is my hope for us who claim the name of Jesus and who also claim this other little label that is it, 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 it pales in comparison, but we say we're part of this movement we call Crosswalk. It is my hope that every single one of us can commit to living in the new normal and taking a look at the lives of Mary and Joseph and watching how they decided to lean into obedience to God, even though their whole lives were changing. To be willing to go where God leads, to do the things that God asks us to do, sometimes very much at our own detriment, but still, they followed. We need to learn to follow. And I wonder this question, what is God doing during this time? What is he creating? What is he growing? What is he building? Because in that time of great duress, that time of great stress, Jesus showed up when Mary and Joseph were going through that change into the new normal. What is God creating in us for the new normal today? Folks, we've heard these texts a million times. But every time we open them up, God has new wisdom for us. So I hope you didn't shut off just because you heard a story that you've heard so many times. But why don't we pray together today? God of grace and God of mercy. Lord, may your compassion shine on us. 
May we see our way through what we consider the new normal today, knowing that we're actually living a completely different normal from 2,000 years ago, and show us the way through. May we be obedient to you. May we honor you with our speech. May we grow your kingdom through our witness. And may we not do anything to hurt your reputation in this world, Lord. May we be the Marys. May we be the Josephs. May we be those who, even though the ask that you ask of us is unreasonable, it is incredibly gracious. Because anytime you interact with us, it is a gift. Lord, be with us through this new series. Be with us through this new, this new time. Be with all our students and teachers that are out there. Be with all our first responders on both the West Coast and the East Coast. Lord, be with all of us that we might come together, grow, learn, work, and show everyone the kingdom of God. We pray these things in your holy name, Lord. Your holy name. The name of Jesus. Amen.